Good morning, everyone. We'll be looking at question 32 again in Keech's Catechism. This will be part B. This morning, we're going to be looking at Christ's ascension into heaven. The question states this, wherein consists Christ's exaltation? Christ's exaltation consists in his rising again from the dead, which we spoke of last week on the third day, and ascending up to heaven, and sitting at the right hand of God the Father, and in coming to judge the world at the last day. If you remember last week, a proof text that I wanted to continually look at as we do this is Colossians chapter 1, verse 17 through 18. And it states that he is before all things. And by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Beloved, he is the superior one, the forerunner, the glorious one, who if he would not have paved the way, there would be no access for us into everlasting life. Let's pray and God, ask God's help before we start. Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for this day. Even though it may be a rainy and weary day, Lord, I know that your hand has brought it, and we rejoice in that, Father. We pray, Lord, that you would, above all things, grace us with your presence this morning, Lord. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Help me, Lord, as I open the word this morning, and we talk about your glorious ascension, Father. In Christ's name, we do pray. If you would turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 1. <clears throat> Acts chapter 1 verses 9 through 11. Where Jesus had met with the disciples after his rising from the dead. And when he had spoken these things while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. If you would, turn to John chapter 20. We'll see here Mary's interaction with Christ after his resurrection. And I want you to see something very particular right here where he told her, don't touch me. John chapter 20, let's start in verse 11 and go through 17. It says, But Mary stood without at the sepulcher weeping, and as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher, and seeth two angels in white sitting, the one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. And they say unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? And she said unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. 
And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. And Jesus said unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if thou hast borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said unto her, Mary. She turned herself and said unto him, Rabboni, which is to say master. When her shepherd called her name, she knew him. And she came to him. Oh, what joy had filled her soul when she knew her Lord was alive right there. I can only imagine that. In verse 17, Jesus said unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my Father. But go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my Father and your Father and to my God and to your God. Christ's ascension served a very specific purpose in presenting himself to the Father as the once and for all sacrifice for sins and applying his own blood on the mercy seat in heaven. I believe that's why he told Mary, don't touch me yet. I have not yet ascended. He still had to fulfill the priestly rite of bringing that atoning sacrifice and laying it on the altar. If you would, while we're in the book of John, I'm sorry, here. Leviticus chapter 16, you don't have to turn there. Verses 14 and 15, we'll see some Old Testament types and shadows here. And the scripture says, And he shall take the blood of the bullock and sprinkle it with his finger upon the mercy seat eastward. And before the mercy seat shall he sprinkle of the blood with his finger seven times. Then shall he kill the goat of the sin offering that is for the people, and bring his blood within the veil, and do with that blood as he did with the blood of the bullock, and sprinkle it upon the mercy seat, and before the mercy seat. This here is a picture of what Christ, our high priest, would do in the heavenly tabernacle, where it says in the book of Hebrews, that one made without hands. Let's look in Hebrews, if you would. And we'll see this great high priest that we studied before and how does Christ execute his office of priest in the order of Melchizedek. Hebrews chapter 6. Look at verse 17. Wherein God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope that is set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which entereth into that within the veil. Whither the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. The forerunner who would give his own life 
lay down his own body, sacrifice his own blood to atone for our sins. Look at Hebrews chapter 8. Let's look at verses 1 through 3. I'm sorry, 1 through 3. Now the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. We have such an high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. You see here in verse 2, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched and not man. For every high priest is ordained to offer gifts and sacrifices, wherefore it is of necessity that this man have somewhat also to offer. Not the blood of bull and goats, but his own blood. Look at Hebrews chapter 9 while we're here. And we'll see a comparison between this Old Testament priesthood and this New Testament priesthood. Starting in verse 6, we see here that now when these things were thus ordained, the priest went always into the first tabernacle accomplishing the service of God. But into the second went the high priest alone once every year, not without blood which he offered for himself and for the errors of the people. The Holy Ghost, this signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest, while as the first tabernacle was yet standing. We know that the scripture here speaks of a new and better covenant. Verse 9, it says, which was a figure for the time then present in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the surface perfect as pertaining to the conscience. The butt of bulls and goats could not take away sin. It was only a picture of what Christ would do. Verse 10, which stood only in meats and drinks and diverse washings and carnal ordinances imposed on them until the time of reformation, until Christ the fulfillment would come. Verse 11, but Christ becoming an high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of bulls, I'm sorry, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of an heifer sprinkled the unclean, sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God to purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And in verse 15 here, and for this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament that by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first Testament, which are called, might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. He is our higher priest right now that has went into that holy of holies. You remember in his death when he said it is finished on the cross, the text tells us in the scripture that that veil was torn from top to bottom. The mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, 
who came and lived a perfect life that we could not live, offered himself up to God to redeem a people unto himself. This is why we believe in the doctrine of limited atonement or particular redemption. Christ's atonement did not create the potential for people to choose or reject him, but that he certainly accomplished atonement for his people, his chosen ones. There's no point in him laying his own blood upon an altar if it didn't accomplish what he set forth to accomplish. If you recall in Matthew 28, most of us know verse 19, go ye into all the world. Verse 18 says this, all power in heaven and in earth has been given unto me. Therefore, go into all the world. The serpent's head was crushed at Calvary. Christ redeemed everything the first Adam lost. Let's look in the New Testament. Look in the book of John. And we'll see how Jesus continually spoke of this, of himself, to his disciples and of the people. Look in John chapter 6. John chapter 6, let's look at verse 62. A few verses here in John. What if he shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? Right before this, he said that you must eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. Well, there's no life in you. Look at John chapter 7, verses 31 through 34. And it says that many of the people believed on him and said, When Christ cometh, will he do more miracles than these which this man hath done? The Pharisees heard that the people murmured such things concerning him, and the Pharisees and the chief priests sent officers to take him. He came into his own, and his own received him not. They hated him. Verse 33, then Jesus said unto them, Yet a little while I am with you, and then I go unto him that sent me. Ye shall seek me, and shall not find me, and where I am thither ye cannot come. Spoke of his ascension. Spoke of his death. Look at John chapter 13. John chapter 13, look at verses 31 through 33. Therefore, when he was going out, Jesus said, Now if the Son of Man glorified and God is glorified in him, if God be glorified in him, God shall also glorify him in himself and shall straightway glorify him. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. Ye shall seek me. And as I said unto the Jews, whether I go, you cannot come. So now I say unto you. And you could read this text and you could say, well, he said we can't go where he could come, where he's going. The forerunner was going to pave a way. 
where Jesus said, where I am, there ye may be also. Look at John chapter 16. Let's look at verses 5 through 11. But now I go my way to him that sent me, and none of you askest me whither goest thou. But because I have said these things unto you, sorrow hath filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe not on me. Of righteousness, because I go unto my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. That's why he could say in Matthew 28, 19, all power has been given unto me. Because the prince of this world was judged. The head of the snake was cut off. Look at John chapter 14. Back up a couple chapters here. Let's read verses 1 through 7. And this is the comfort we could take in our Lord's ascension. Not only in John 16 where he promised to send us the Holy Spirit, another comfort that, that would be with us. But here he comforts us and promises that he will return for us. Verse 1, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, or literally translated many rooms. If it were not so, I would not have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whether I go, you know, in the way, you know. And Thomas said unto him, Lord, we know we're not whether thou goest, and how can we know the way? And Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also. And from henceforth you know him and have seen him. In Luke 24, you don't have to turn there, verses 25 through 26. You can see here in John 14 that Thomas didn't know what he was talking about. He's like, Lord, what do you mean? We don't understand. Jesus had the same interaction with these two disciples on the road to Emmaus. And he said, Then he said unto them, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets had spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things? and to enter into his glory. If you recall last week, when Brother Woody read through, I think it was John 19, how many times it was referred in the scripture that so that the scriptures may be fulfilled. So that the scriptures may be fulfilled. Christ's suffering, everything that he would do on the cross was foretold 
of the suffering that the suffering servant in Isaiah 53 would endure to save his people from their sins. Turn to Hebrews chapter 12, if you would. And I'd like to give you a word of comfort to those who are in Christ and a word of warning to those who are outside of Christ. In Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 18, it gives a differentiation about that first mountain where the law of Moses was given to God. In this second mountain, this Mount Sion, Verse 18, it says, For you are not coming to the mount that night might not be touched, and that burn with fire, nor into blackness and darkness and tempest, and the sound of a trumpet, and the voice of words, which voice that heard entreated that the word should not be spoken to them anymore. They asked Moses, they said that we're scared. Could you go talk to God and then come back and talk to us because we're afraid of him? Verse 20, for they could not endure that which was commanded. And if so, so much as a beast would touch the mountain, it shall be stoned or thrust through with a dart. And so terrible was the sight that Moses even said, I exceedingly fear and quake. But because of this forerunner, this one that came and accomplished the law, that satisfied God the Father. It says, but you're not coming to Mount Sion and unto the city of the living God. The heaven, I'm sorry, but ye are coming to Mount Sion and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. See that you refuse not him that speaketh, for if they escape not who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven, whose voice shook the earth, but now he hath promised saying, Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. And this word, yet once more, signifieth the removing of those things that are shaken, as of the things that are made, and of those things which cannot be shaken, may remain. Wherefore, we receive a kingdom which cannot be moved. Let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably, acceptably with reverence and godly fear for our God is a consuming fire I leave you this morning with a gospel call for those who are in Christ those who are saved from their sins those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life rest dear saint of God for your Lord has purchased you there's no more payment required for your sin. Your forerunner 
has paved the way for you. He who knew no sin became sin so that we may become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We sang a song here, His Robes for Mine. He took my filthy robes on and put them on himself and walked up Calvary's hill and bore the penalty of my sin. And he took his righteous robe off and put it on me. I'm righteous because of him, not because of me. For those of you outside of Christ, I implore you, turn from your sin. Turn to Christ. Flee from the wrath to come. The scripture tells us that because the wrath of God abides upon you. God's word will not return unto him void, but it will accomplish what it is sent forth to do. And it has two purposes. First, to bring salvation to his elect. And secondly, to further harden the hearts of the wicked. As it says in Scripture, we will not have this man to rule over us. If that's you this morning, throw yourself at Christ's mercy. Let's finish by reading Isaiah chapter 55, a few verses here. Isaiah 55, let's look at verse 6 through 11. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Listen to these next couple verses in context of what we just read above it. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth the bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater. And he's talking about his word going forth and accomplishing what he sent it forth to accomplish because the next verse says it. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please and it shall prosper in the thing where unto I send it. The whole context of that passage is the unrighteous man forsaking his ways and turning to God. But there will be many that will say no. I ask you to consider your ways if you're outside of Christ this morning. I mean not to be mean-spirited. But there's an eternity facing you. That without Christ, it will be eternal punishment. Amen. Let's close. Father, we thank you for this day, Lord. We thank you that...
Lord, you have sent forth your gospel unto us. And that you said that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God, Lord. We pray, Lord, that you would send forth your word that's been spoken this morning, Lord, and you would accomplish what you see fit to be accomplished by it, Lord. We cry out for your mercy, Lord, that you would save lost sinners. We pray that you would be with us the rest of this morning, Lord, and in the service to come, Lord. May, may you be glorified. May our Lord Jesus Christ be magnified in all things. We give you all the glory and all the praise. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.